This is episode number 147 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. Welcome to Well-Fed Women. I'm your co-host, Noelle Tarr, a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and I'm joined by my bestie, Stephanie Ruper, author of the best-selling book, Sexy by Nature. On the show, we provide moderately abusing banter, authentic, unfiltered conversations relating to nutrition, fitness, mindset, and body image, and offer empowering advice for women from women. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material and should not be used to diagnose or treat disease. We are so excited to have you here. So now let's have some fun. How's that a rice sock treating you? <laughs> Good. Thank you. I, uh, Noelle is referring to a what in my family we call rice bags. My rice mother bags. makes them. Oh. And uh, I know she's wonderful. Uh, she's brilliant at what she does. But uh, yeah, it's a bag full of rice, like cloth, you know, not like Ziploc. <laughs> and you put it in the microwave for a few minutes and then you can like, you, I sleep with them actually. Mm. Uh, but it's a good idea. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, it's chilly. So I'm holding down the fort with a rice bag. It is chilly. I like the chill. I'm a fan. Yeah, me too. You know, good thing moving to San Francisco. Are you for sure? Is that like anything but chilly? Is that done deal? A done deal? Uh, Is anything really? (laughs) Not what is a done deal? Not with Stephanie. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) our book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so far as we know, I know we're just kind of like okay. Yo, they're giving a copy back to us like soon, everybody. And we have like two weeks to make sure it's perfect. And Noelle and I are both like, we have no time right now. <laughs> no, like literally they're like, hey, if you could get this done by tomorrow, that'd be great. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I can't. <laughs> like, so like they sent us, they sent, they sent that last batch of edits on Friday. She emailed me on a Monday and was like, hey, just checking in on those edits. And I'm like, it was the weekend. And no, I haven't done anything. Like I, my, I told my husband, Ken was like, does she know that you're like a full time new mom and like you can't turn things around in 24 hours? I was like, no, she doesn't. She does not understand. <laughs> really um, yeah. So I did send a, you know how I get, I get a little passive aggressive. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. And then I send them apology emails. One time, everybody, I sent them an apology email and didn't even CC Noel. You did? <laughs> yeah. Kara was like, thanks, uh, Stephanie. That's really considerate. Oh, no, it wasn't Kara. It was, um, oh, I just used someone's name. That's <laughs> fine. Nobody will. Nobody will. Nobody will, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, somebody, uh, somebody at the company was like, thanks, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I do too. Thanks. You know how I am. I'm like sitting there sleep deprived in the dark with my child sleeping on me. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You're asking me about this and you send it to me four o'clock on a Friday and it's Monday at 11. Yeah. Um, I get angry when I'm, when I'm sleep deprived. Yeah. I shoot off things and I'm like, I probably should have sat on that. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, at least I know it. Um, I can admit it. <laughs> I, I know what the right it. thing to do is. I just don't I do just it. Just don't do it. Feels better <laughs> to do the other way. 
<laughs> That's the quote image for this this week's podcast. I know what the right thing to do is, but I just don't do it. Yeah. So anyway, um, about that. Anything new from you and your chili? I was when you said rice bag. That's why I said rice sock. When you said rice bag, I was actually thinking of like a plastic bag with rice in it that you like cook in the microwave. That's why I was like, are you going to eat your rice? No. No, although there have been further developments. I'll be quick because we want to be quick. So everybody knows that I've been working pretty assiduously on my sleep and stuff of late. And I am now sleeping without waking up in the middle, everybody, a full eight hours every night. How did that happen? I fixed me. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. It's one of three, four things or all of them together. A, I'm still taking the magnesium 308, which has been really important. Everybody, magnesium for the brain. Um, Two, I started waking up in the mornings and going for an hour long bike ride every single day. Um, Yeah. And I mean, people have talked before about uh, Chris Master John talks a lot about how important it is to like get up and get light in the morning to Mm -hmm. that sort of really entrains your clock and exercise is helpful, too. So I'm like, great, I'll do both at the same time. Um, So I'm doing that. Um, And I come home and I eat a huge meal because I've always been somebody I like just always put it off until the end of the day. And I talked about this several months ago on the podcast, but I had done some research that indicated that that was not the best thing to do for your circadian rhythm specifically. And it's much better for your biological clock to eat bigger during earlier in the day and for your metabolism. P.S. So... Yeah, well, I mean, that's why everybody's always like, oh, eat like a big breakfast. Um, it's because it's been demonstrated to be good for things like insulin sensitivity. And so people use it as a weight loss trick. Anyway, so I've been eating a huge meal with a lot of protein in it in the morning. And I have cut protein out of my diet at nighttime. And I think that is also really big. Um, you know, so tryptophan is an amino acid, which is one of many of the amino acids in protein. Tryptophan is necessary for making serotonin, which is necessary for putting you to sleep. And so a lot of people say, well, if you want to sleep, make sure you get enough protein. The problem with this is when you eat protein, especially muscular protein, um, there's not as much tryptophan really. It doesn't, it can't compete with the other amino acids because not all of the amino acids in your blood can go through your blood brain barrier in your brain, into your brain. And so if you eat a lot of protein before bed, you actually do a disservice to your body's like unique tryptophan picking up needs. But if you eat a lot of carbohydrates, and this is why people often say, well, eat carbs with your dinner. If you eat a lot of carbohydrates, insulin um, will uh, cause amino acids to move into the bloodstream and all of them except for tryptophan end up getting bound to it. They end up getting bound up with other molecules and tryptophan is just like hanging out, swimming free and it goes into the blood or it goes into the brain by itself. Um, so pro tip, everybody, uh, carbs before sleep, but like try and shift your protein a little bit earlier. I think that's really important. I, I would bet that that's the more important thing for my sleep um, out of all of the options that I shared, although I think they're all pretty important. Ta-da. Some nice biohacking there, Steffi. Yeah, thank you. I should write a biohacking blog. <laughs> you should. Make some graphs. Make a note. <laughs> Make a note of that. 
<laughs> I made a graph oh, about my experience. Is it more legitimate now, everybody? Okay, sorry. <laughs> a graph and some, possibly some pie charts. Yeah. 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 Um, that's really cool. How does yeah, it that's feel? My Do you wake up and feel just totally different or? I, I cannot tell you what an enormous plus this is. Mm. It's so big. I've had, I've actually, this is only the second time I've said this out loud because I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, because that happened. I mean, it, it literally it does happen for me because my, you know, my brain just sort of defeats itself. But it's been going on for uh, two weeks now. And so wow. I'm feeling reasonably, reasonably confident that the stuff that I've been doing is um, is working. And yeah, like I don't get <laughs> really sorry to say this, Noel. I don't get tired during the day. <laughs> <laughs> um but like, I mean, my entire life, I was always exhausted, right? Especially in the last five years or so when I wasn't sleeping well. So, yeah. um, yeah, and I focus better at work. You know, I've been getting, I get migraines from bright lights, loud sounds, and uh, scents, you know, smells. And of late, I have been doing a lot better. I've been working under fluorescent lights and feeling okay. So wow. these, these are like huge improvements for me. Yeah, I mean, Noel knows. I walk around with sunglasses and a hat and earplugs always with yeah. me, you know. Um, and so I'm, I'm feeling very liberated. Um, and hopefully this will continue. Um, I will keep you posted. Yeah, that's awesome. Two quick announcements before we get into questions. First is Thrive Market is continuing on with the Well-Fed Women podcast. We're super excited about that. So that offer is still good to go. Thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. I um, obviously am a big fan of them. And I just, my last order with them was all of the nursing things. So my favorite brand, hands down, for like, baby shampoos and nipple creams and um actually the it's called body like bottom balm or something but basically the diaper cream that i use it's called earth mama and i love it and um i've gone through it quite a bit so well i guess not really because there's these little jars but um here i am at five months six months you know and now I, I just need to finally order a, a whole new batch. So anyway, super excited because I was about to order that stuff off of Amazon. And I was like, I wonder if Thrive Market has it. Sure enough. So I went ahead and ordered a bunch of sh- the baby shampoos and which is just the there's basically nothing in it, which is awesome. Um, and so I give her a bath every night. Everybody's like, don't dry. Don't do that because you're going to dry her out. But I do because it's part of our bedtime routine. Um, and then I use the nipple cream and the diaper rash cream and all the things. So um, they have a lot of stuff. And then they have like a bottom balm for mom, um, you know, because after you have a baby, lots of things happen down there that are uncomfortable. So um, that was my latest order. So if you haven't, you know, go to Thrive Market before you buy anything and just like check and see if they are have it. Because if they do, it's going to be like 20 to 50 percent cheaper. Um, second announcement, we have a new, uh, sponsor, a new supporter of the podcast. This is a totally new product for us. We're kind of excited about it. Um, Chimera Coffee. Now, Chimera Coffee, both words are with a K. So K-I-M-E-R-A and then coffee with a K. Um, it's a premium high altitude coffee infused with nootropics. So nootropics are brain vitamins, sometimes also called smart vitamins that help promote a whole bunch of good stuff like, 
you know, focus and cognition and memory. And so uh, Kamira calls it coffee with cognitive enhancer. So basically, the coffee is infused with 750 milligrams of nootropics, specifically alpha-GPC, which is a natural choline compound, taurine, and then L-theanine, which we have talked about on here. Um, It's a non-dietary amino acid that is well-known for promoting, like, mental relaxation without that heavy drowsiness, and it's typically found in green tea and certain mushrooms, and um, some people supplement with it because it can help reduce anxiety, and I think Steph's mentioned um, L-theanine before for that, and so these are... uh, these nootropics come from organic compounds found naturally in food sources like eggs and green tea. So the uh, specific ones that Kamira Coffee chooses um, create the right mental and physical edge. Um, it's a company that's made up of a lot of really cool athletes. So they really do promote the coffee to to use it before workouts. Um, and it's just great for improving focus at home or at work. And um, I've read a ton of really positive reviews on it. I'm personally not drinking it because I'm breastfeeding, but my husband has enjoyed it. And I know many women who actually use coffee infused with nootropics on a regular basis who just absolutely love the the focus and cognitive benefits, which, of course, we could all use more of. And um, I definitely could. But after doing research, I was like, mm, going to hold off. So after I finished breastfeeding, um, I will definitely be, be dabbling because anything that I can use to kind of like, I don't know, give my brain vitamins and lift the fog would be awesome. Um, the beans are really high quality. Um, they're harvested from their high altitude farm in Dominican Republic. And Frankie, the guy that I've been working with, he lives in the Dominican Republic. So they're highly involved in the process of production. So a uh, special deal for all of our women. Go to KamiraCoffee.com, K-I-M-E-R-A, and then coffee with a K, dot com. To get 10% off, use the code WELLFED. W-E-L-L-F-E-D. Test out the coffee. Give it a try. Tinker with it. Do some biohacking and uh, let us know. Let us know how it goes. I've everybody who's tried it as I've gotten um, great feedback. So kind of anxious to to try it out. And I almost did, but I didn't because, you know, responsibilities. Um, Yeah. So KamirCoffee.com. Code WellFed. All of the information will be in the show notes. So are you ready for questions? Yes, please. Question number one is from Heather. Hi, ladies. I know you probably have a lot of questions to get through, so I'll get right to the point. What is the deal with alcohol and estrogen? I've recently read multiple studies that moderate drinking, that that moderate drinking can raise estrogen levels and that this raises the risk of breast cancer. But what if your estrogen is already low? Could it help? I'm looking for an excuse to drink. In fact, I'd rather not drink at all. I'm not looking for an excuse to drink. But as someone with chronically low estrogen in my early 30s, I'm looking for anything that might help. And if that means having a drink or two during the week, I'd be open to it. Thanks for all you do and keep up the amazing work. Hey, Heather. So this is interesting. This is something that I think I've personally experienced. Um, You know, I've never been much of a drinker. I mean, I I was I was known uh, for a good rage or two when I lived in China. But uh, (laughs) I started having a glass of wine or two when I first moved to Oxford. Oxford is just like a slushy city. You know, everybody's they have all these events and there's always free wine. That's just the thing. So I started drinking free wine. 
And I noticed that my menstrual cycles got a little bit uh, heavier, you know, slightly more painful. And also uh, my tits grew <laughs> like a bit, quite a bit. Um, and that's definitely like a hormone thing. That's an estrogen and a progesterone thing. So I did a lot of research about this. I also stopped sleeping. So I stopped drinking alcohol. Um and, and that's important. You know, a lot of people like booze will knock you out, but it for many people, um, but it also tends to be a little bit more disruptive while you sleep. And if you're a light sleeper can wake you up uh, because once you go through the depressive phase, your body sort of upregulates to detox itself. And so um, it can disrupt your brain waves and your uh, wakefulness while you sleep. So there's that to consider. Um Yes, then again, to reiterate, it will raise estrogen levels to a degree. Uh, but <laughs> the mechanism by which this happens, I'm pretty sure, is that alcohol becomes a priority when you consume it. Your body wants to get rid of it right away. And so your liver will prioritize processing the alcohol and deprioritize processing hormones and estrogen. And also, of course, it's possible that if you start drinking, your level health will decrease to a degree. Of course, this would mean drinking much more regularly than a couple times a week. In fact, there have been studies that demonstrate that having a few drinks a week is correlated with better health. But there's a huge debate as to whether this has anything to do with physiological processes, or if it's much more about um, just like people being social. So uh, there's there's some complexity there to consider, but I wouldn't say that the benefit of alcohol relative to estrogen is particularly worth it unless you have a serious estrogen managing problem. But if you do, then I would seek other means, right? So if your liver is not processing estrogen as well, then it's also not processing everything as well. And that's just, that's important. You know, your liver is the, one of the most important organs in your body. So... I would look instead uh, towards methods such as eating more, you know, making sure that I get uh, plenty of fat, plenty of carbs. I know we say this a lot, but it's just like it's a thing. <laughs> you pay attention to that. Relaxing, reducing stress is one of the number one ways to increase estrogen and progesterone levels. If you've previously had um, historically had lower levels. I would also way recommend playing with phytoestrogen intake before alcohol, right? So we're talking maybe a little bit of soy, maybe some soybeans, you know, a tablespoon of soybeans a day to start or a bowl of chickpeas, right? So the most phytoestrogenic foods are soy and flaxseed. So you can try with small amounts of those daily, uh, or you can try with a larger amount of something much more innocent, like uh, black beans or chickpeas, you know, like a big bowl of them or what have you. Um, I would definitely try that and see if that has any kind of an effect. I would imagine that it does. Now, the problem with phytoestrogens is that the kinds of estrogens in these plants uh, are different than the ones that your body makes. And so they are active at different receptor sites in different ways. So sometimes you'll see an increase in estrogenic activity in some tissues and not in others. Now, if what you're looking for is estrogen levels for the sake of your health, say for the sake of bone density, phytoestrogens will, will do the trick, you know, I, but 
when we're looking at things like skin health, I would be a little bit more cautious. And I do caution people in like Clear Skin Unlocked to step carefully around phytoestrogens because they can decrease estrogenic activity in the skin. And estrogen is important for uh, fighting acne. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff. Um, I definitely do think that uh, that the phytoestrogens and reducing stress, getting more sleep is really important. Um it's <laughs> just really important. Uh, try shifting your sleep earlier in the night if you can. Um, I know that that's not something I do, uh, but making sure that you have like a consistent circadian rhythm and if you happen to sleep well with the light dark cycle that's actually happening uh, can help your body produce more hormones at night. I have also mentioned previously um, vitamin D is incredibly important for modulating estrogen receptor activity in your body. So um, if you're not getting regular sunlight, and I mean like regular sunlight, I would consider taking a vitamin D supplement. Finally, I will throw gut health into the mix. Gut health is incredibly important. If you have an absorption problem in your gut, right, or if you have um, an issue with motility, uh, if you're either constipated or you have diarrhea, what have you, um, that can definitely really mess with your estrogen levels, especially if it's more like a diarrhea issue. So, um, and again, that's just because the stuff in your intestines are moving out more quickly than they can hold on to them. So I would also look to fermented foods, of course, maybe a probiotic supplement. Uh, we like uh, vital proteins, collagen. Uh, what else is on the gut health list? Um, really, I, those are the most important things. Gut bugs, um, collagen, if you can. Vitamin D. Also, vitamin A is really important for gut health. Um, so maybe eat some liver and some eggs. And more importantly than anything, like pay attention to eating a lot. I talked quickly. I talked quickly, but there were a lot of things to say. Like a home run. There was yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah, 100%. I concur. I think that there are other ways to get estrogen up and to get your hormones in balance that don't involve, you know, drinking alcohol. But yeah, I, I would think, I well, in, in terms of like, you'll probably be more successful doing other things. But hey, you know, a glass of wine. If you want to try it out, see what happens. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I like all of your suggestions. Better question number two is from Alexis. Hello. Wait, wait, wait. What? I'm really sorry. Can I add one more? Oh, yeah. Uh, regular romantic and or sexual activity really help boosts female hormone levels. So uh, think about that, too. So get it on, Heather. Yeah, or, like, if you have a partner, you know, like, go get some couples counseling or something that could be really helpful yeah and get it on okay i'm done thanks perfect question number two is from alexis hello ladies i love listening to your podcast every week and all the information you provide my question is can you gain weight due to over exercising and what is considered over exercising i currently work out about five to six days a week doing cardio and kickboxing style workouts and hit training and have been doing this for about six to seven months is this considered too much i don't weigh myself on a regular basis but I've noticed the past couple of months that my clothes have been fitting tighter, so I'm assuming this is weight gain. I stopped taking birth control pills around the beginning of March this year due to just feeling irritable all the time and not myself and having my daughter and going back on them. I had been on birth control since the age of 18, and I'm 27 currently. Since going off birth control, I have not received my period with the loss of my period. My sex, drives also, sex drive also went with it. I do have to admit my calorie intake is low and I have never been much of an eater 
I would say most days I'm probably eating under 1,200 calories since I really only eat dinner and mainly that mainly consists of veggies and a sweet potato or starch. And then I usually have a little snack, a couple tablespoons of almond butter or peanut butter. My diet has been mainly paleo with occasional dairy. If I'm eating out somewhere and sometimes bread, what suggestions or recommendations would you make? I'm not looking to lose any additional weight. Just maintain my weight uh, I'm currently at since I don't feel my best when I have been uh, lower than a specific weight in the past, but obviously I want to feel my best and would like to get on the right track with my health, health and making sure my body has what it needs. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Thanks both for providing, providing such a wonderful podcast and blog on a weekly basis. Well, Thoughts. I provide a blog on a weekly basis. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like maybe once every six or seven weeks. I know everybody I get yeah. to I have the privilege of logging into the back end of Noelle's website uh, and, and it's whenever, all I, whenever I see a new post I'm like oh goody <laughs> you said last time you're like oh it's a new recipe oh such and such waffles that looks great I'm like yeah I gotta take the pictures for that and that's gonna take a few weeks <laughs> <laughs> I'll schedule that for two Wednesdays yeah. from now mm-hmm. right uh-huh. um okay <laughs> Sorry, love. Yeah. Um, like so <laughs> Alexis, uh there's a couple of questions wrapped up in your one question, I think. First and foremost, um no, because I'll save the important thing for last, and plus Noel will want to talk about it a lot, so I'll let her do that. Can you gain weight due to overexercising? Mm, yeah. Yeah, actually I think you can. Um this is how it works. You know, your body recognizes that it's burning a lot of calories and you're also not eating a lot. And so it decreases its metabolic rate. Like it's pretty simple. And it does this by lowering the production of thyroid hormones. And this then, of course, it it continues while you continue to exercise. This has been documented broadly, you know, and happens to a lot of people, especially a lot of women, most men tend to get away with it. Um, But women's bodies tend to be their thyroid systems tend to be very sensitive. And so um, if you're exercising a lot, and again, not refueling, your body is going to slow down, and it's going to have a hard time picking back up again. Now it will if you start eating more and maybe exercising less, but that takes time. And it takes patience and it takes trust and sort of letting go of control and letting your body's metabolism come back online. Um, so that's definitely a thing. You know, it's definitely possible, the thyroid thing. It's also, of course, possible that if your body is feeling stressed out by the exercise, that the uh, cortisol levels, you know, the cortisol or whatever, the adrenaline running through your body uh, causes your body to sort of in just increase fat storage and particularly like in a stressy way, you know, not necessarily that it's trying to make up for calories, but it's just feeling stressed out. Um, and this can even be like carrying water weight, you know, that's definitely a thing that happens. And so it is possible, uh, yeah, to gain weight from over exercising. Now it's especially possible if you're exercising and you're not refueling afterwards um you know because when you exercise your cortisol levels do rise you know and this is fine in short bouts and your testosterone levels rise and stuff and your cortisol levels will fall but they'll fall more immediately and peacefully if you eat after your workouts 
um, and especially carbs. You know, I would guess maybe that a problem, perhaps, you know, I know that you're having um, a sweet potato or a starch with your dinner. Um, I would appreciate it. I would hope uh, some starches at other times during the day, some carbs at other times during the day, especially after your workouts, I think could really help you. Low carb diets, there's a lot of debate as to, you know, how carbohydrates interface with thyroid production. I'll set that aside for now um, and focus on the fact that a low carb diet will cause your body to think that it's not being fed quite enough, you know, and also it decreases or at least, uh, yeah, it decreases the potential for your brain to make serotonin, as I mentioned in the opener to this podcast. And uh, serotonin and robust neurotransmitter levels generally are actually quite important for weight maintenance. Uh, so these are all important things to bear in mind. I definitely think, you know, I would want to ask you in turn how much you've eaten throughout your life. You know, if you've always been a low calorie eater, that's just really natural for you. Maybe you're very short. We don't know how tall you are. Um, that could be okay. But 1200 is definitely like very much on the low end of the spectrum. And I would think, you know, really deeply about why you're eating so little. Uh, and if you could be comfortable mentally and physically increasing that because I would definitely be on that team. Um, you know, the less food we eat, ladies in general, the less food we eat, the less nutrients we get, you know, period. There are people in the world who eat really low calorie diets on purpose because they think it might make them live longer. And that's not a wholly misguided idea, but they have to focus really, really hard on eating nutrient dense foods because they're eating a lot less, you know, and I'm not saying here that you should just eat nothing but kale. Um, I'm saying what you should do is go ahead and eat more. Um, so that's important. I also want to touch on the birth control thing. You know, it seems as though your birth control patterns are concomitant with the changes that you've made in your exercise and in your weight. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be positive actually about what is causing your weight to fluctuate, uh, whether it's the change in your hormone levels due to coming off of the birth control or the exercise, um, and you have not gotten your period back, you know, it's been s six months at least. And uh, that's, oh, that's like, okay, that's not entirely out of the ordinary, but it is possible that you're not getting it back because of the exercising and the under eating, or the lower calorie diet, I won't say for sure whether that's under eating for you. But um I, I would be cautious about that. And I think also making sure that you're eating a lot um, or eating more can help your body, help your liver get the nutrients it needs, especially again from dark leafy greens, uh, to detox the birth control pill and get you back on track uh, in terms of your menstrual cycles. But um, I really do think that probably most important of all is um, thinking really deeply about how much you're eating, you know, and about your body size and whether how long you've been that size and if you would be comfortable, you know, buying a new pair of jeans, just like play with the idea, you know, it could really do you well. And I would say definitely, you know, that the advice that I'm giving about exercising less and eating more, you could definitely like there are people in the world who for them, that's really good for their weight maintenance, you know, eat more. Uh, but I wouldn't say that that should be the goal. I would say that the goal would, for me, would be learning to eat more for the sake of my health and my hormone levels. 
and also my mental health, generally speaking, learn how to just like be very comfortable with my body, even if I change its body fat percentage. Um, and then hopefully let the weight concerns be secondary or tertiary to that. Um, yeah, babe. Yeah, that was a really good way of putting it is that the weight concerns should always be secondary because like Stephanie and I have said multiple times, it's not something we like we we're not anti changing your body. We're not anti weight loss or weight gain or whatever. I mean, you get to choose what you want to do. But uh, obviously, there has been a major focus for I don't know, what what would you say the last 50 years, six years of, um, you know, women being a specific weight, <laughs> always losing weight, trying to be less. And that has driven our focus as women. And so, so much so that now losing weight has become equated to gaining health. So to get healthy, you need to lose weight. And when you lose weight, you get healthy. And that is just not the case. They are not one in the same. And for many women, losing weight means losing their period, losing their sex drive and feeling terrible and um, symptoms like this, which are, yeah, it's, it's not black and white. This whole calories in calories out thing yeah it, it's that's not how it works and it's really really frustrating that people think that our bodies are this oversimplified formula of well if i eat less and work out more everything's gonna work out um because we know that bodies are much more than just some basic you know in and out equation there's a lot more that happens as our body processes food and calories do play a big part in our physiology and how our body responds to things but there's also a whole other piece going on that if that your body you know i will say you're starving yourself if you're working out this much you're working out five to six days a week doing high intensity workouts and you're eating 1200 calories a day you're starving yourself and so your body responds by making sure that it can hold on to to all the energy that it can that it can get its hands on essentially right and try and down regulating metabolism so that you burn less and that you burn less and you burn less you hold on you hold on to as much as you can and you're gonna feel crappy and so that's um, that's a definite physiological response to undereating and overexercising. And if you keep going down this track, it's not going to end well. Unfortunately, your body's going to continue to respond in, in negatively, and you're still going to kind of feel the negative effects of that. I have to say, it just is so common. This is such a common question, and I do feel like we we do talk about this a lot. But um, and so I'm, I'm always cautious of including questions like these. But I tell you what, we get a lot of questions about it because I feel like it's a place that a lot of women get to, but they're unable to see that they're under eating and over exercising and that their body is starving. And so we get stuck in this mindset of like, oh, gosh, what do I do now? Is there some magic solution? How do I how do I stay here but stay healthy but can I eat more? But how do I do that? How do I stay in control of my weight? And sometimes the inf the answer is, you know, it's the obsessive. There, there's some some sort of underlying other thing going on, which is, you know, a, a little bit of a maybe some sort of, you know, a wanting to control other people's perception, wanting to control your body, you know, struggling with body image, struggling with your worth and knowing your worth and, and how... Um, you know, your value in society. 
And so it just takes it just takes rebuilding and, and understanding and creating new conversations around that so that you can allow your body to exist where it needs to, where it's it needs to and be to be healthy, which may not be what, you know, Shape magazine has on the cover. And that's okay. There's no wrong way to have a body, right? And so you can exist and be healthy um at a place that's right for you and allow you and work with your body to to find health and not kind of be working against it and be starving it in order to have it exist in a state that may, you know, appear to be more acceptable, you know, among the photoshopped magazine cover, you know, women. So, yeah, there's just obviously there's there's always more going on here when we have questions like these and it's it's a little bit more complicated than, oh, yeah, here's a special trick that you can do to not gain weight and to keep your calories low or, you know, increase your calories, keep your weight low, and to find all the health back. Um, it's There's got to be a little bit of, there's got to be a come to Jesus moment, and there's got to be a, a little bit of, you know, just like a reevaluation. It really does. Yeah. A reevaluation. There's got to, yeah. So. We've both done it. We've both the, done like, it. Yeah. I, I want to have my cake and eat it too, yeah. and you just, you can't. And we, and we say that with all, you know, and that's why we do. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're so honest about it is because we've both done it. We've both spent years fighting it and it's so much better on the other side. Um, you know, and, and I, and I, I, I think it's kind of funny sometimes when I think about it because I am like the antithesis of what I wanted to be when I was in college. Like I am everything that I feared and it's even better than I, you know, it's better than I ever expected. Um, yeah, just like I haven't worked out really in a year and all I do is walk. And yeah, I'm 20, 30 pounds more than that I was in, in college. Like I was terrified of being, you know, anything more than an X, this X number. And it just it just didn't matter, man. It just doesn't matter. Like I love life so much more now that I have so much more flexibility and I understand, you know, my worth, where my worth and my value comes from. And it just isn't what size my pants are or, you know, how much cellulite is on my right butt cheek. It just doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, to me, I will say that I really, for the first time, you know, say in the last year or so, I feel like I'm completely free when my friend's like, I'm getting a piece of pie. Do you want to split it with me? I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, let's get some scones. It's so cool yeah and i recognize it it takes a long like it's a long right journey to get there you know but that's what we're here for we'll just to be have, your friends while you do it right to have no shame no judgment no guilt know that you can eat that piece of pie and it's not gonna affect your life like it really isn't um and it, you get so trapped in that mentality of like oh my gosh if i eat this thing i'm gonna blow up and that's gonna be the worst thing ever and and i mean it just it's like this spiral and it's a it's a it's a prison um, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and then once you realize it's like, oh, I don't really have to work out and I can eat things and yeah, my body still works and it's healthy and it's strong and yeah. Yeah. 
If you haven't yet, make sure to head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen to get $60 worth of organic groceries for totally free, plus free shipping, plus a free one-month trial membership. Thrive Market is an online marketplace with all the top premium healthy and organic products that you can get from a grocery store, but without the premium prices. It's like the Costco of Whole Foods, except you shop in your PJs from home on your computer and you don't have to get in the car and your bill ends up being up to 50% less. I've been making an order just about every week since it launched, and I, I just can't imagine my life without it. So to get started with Thrive Market, go to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. Question number three is from Stacy. Hi, ladies. Longtime listener and fellow nutrition consultant and CPT. Thanks for all your continuing education and input. I love how both how you both are real and true and really just around all around great examples for women in today's society. My question is quite multifaceted in that I am wondering if this could be a simple answer to many problems with women our age involving hormonal, nutritional, autoimmune, etc. problems. In fighting with anxiety and a pretty low diet, low fat diet my whole life, I recently have taken the full-on plunge to add lots of fats into my diet without being keto or anything too labeled. With that, I have developed a lot of indigestion, which is not surprising given the fact that I have increased my fats, but this has got me wondering. I have had bouts of hypothyroidism, as I mentioned, anxiety, disordered eating, all the things, it seems, which in turn has developed into full-blown adrenal fatigue. With that being said, what connections are you all aware of with the low stomach acid and how it affects hormones, mental health, adrenals, etc.? Could this be the missing link for a lot of women, especially those who have notoriously been low fat so much of their lives? Also, what do you know about experimenting with HCL to correct this situation? Thank you, ladies, for any and all information you continue to share. P.S. Spirit Animal is fear from inside out, (laughs) but it fits. Um, And Team Mech on apples. Over them. Thank you, Stace. (laughs) Team Mech. Hashtag. Team Mech. (laughs) <laughs> team transitioning potatoes okay uh, <laughs> i'm an ally for transitioning okay yeah. potatoes okay so <laughs> there's a lot here i'm not going to speak to the stomach stuff because uh, y'all i think know by now noel's better at it than i am mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, mm, yeah yeah uh-huh. true um <laughs> That's okay. When it came to that part of writing the book, I'm just like, go ahead. You know, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you do it. Um, yeah, indigestion and low stomach acid, I think, definitely play a role. But I want to highlight that I think there are other functions that fat performs. You know, first, and oh, there's so many. Um, like fat, like your brain is made out of fat. And if you have an imbalance of omega-6 and omega-3 fats, your brain is going to be made out of more omega-6 fats and omega-3 fats, and that's so bad. And if you don't eat fat, and if you don't eat omega-3 fats especially, your brain is really, like, it's going to have a hard time doing what it needs to do. And this is, like, this is not a small piece, I think, of mental health problems and disordered eating in mental health and physical health. You know, they're so wrapped up in each other. Um, but I think that that's really important. And fat is also like the backbone of hormones. 
if you don't eat fat, your body is going to have a harder time making cholesterol and then it's going to have a harder time making literally all hormones. And hormones are also quite important for um, mental health, reproductive health, um, thyroid health, uh, adrenal health. You know, they're important for everything. So I personally think that those reasons are enough, you know, um, to sort of regularly include fat in our diets. I'm not surprised that after eating low fat for a really long time, adding it back in has been problematic. Um, it definitely is for a lot of people, but I definitely really encourage uh, persistence, <laughs> uh, persistence in that because of the functions that fat can perform. Um, and there are definitely ways such as, you know, HCL, probiotics, team probiotics, team collagen peptides, right? Um, <laughs> on a lot of teams today. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been a while. Um, I'm definitely like pro, pro all these things. You know, the systems are definitely interconnected. Um, I don't know if, oh, I didn't talk about adrenal fatigue. There's a post on my blog called Why Adrenal Fatigue Doesn't Exist. And I, there is nothing I have ever, well, there are a few things I've ever written that people have hated me for more. <laughs> <laughs> And basically what I say is like, yes, I believe you can have problems with your adrenal system, but I, I don't want to call it adrenal fatigue because um, because it's very imprecise. I don't think it really correctly biochemically describes what's going on. Um, I definitely think that your body is uh, when you're suffering with things like mental health and hypothyroidism, uh, your cortisol levels, like you will have a hard time having a good circadian rhythm producing cortisol at the right time of day, um, all that sort of stuff. I wouldn't try, I wouldn't point to adrenal fatigue as the thing to address. Um, I'll say this quickly and then pass the mic, so to speak, for everybody thinking about their adrenal glands out there. Um, I, I really do believe that when we're struggling with our adrenal glands, when we're struggling with our energy, that they're not the first place we should be looking um, I think that definitely there are like we will need the nutrients for our adrenals to function and stuff. Um, but I think definitely um, basic things like eating enough, correcting gut health, working on thyroid health, boosting nutrient status to make sure that we have enough vitamin D to make sure that we have good mental health, um, to make sure that we have good sleep. Like all of these things are really important and in ways that I wouldn't necessarily point to as like the adrenal gland is the problem. You know, when we're not sleeping, a lot of things can not go ideally. Um, and then the adrenal glands don't like work quite as, you know, well, or you might not have as much energy, but for many other reasons. Um, and so I just want to throw this out there uh, and feel free to fight with me on it if you want to. Um, but I definitely think that uh, doing the kind of adrenal support type things can be helpful in certain situations. Um, but more importantly, I would want to look to other underlying or extraneous uh, systems that could be then impacting the way the adrenal glands work. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thought. So stomach acid is just secreted by the stomach and it's acidic and it helps digest foods. And I do think that a lot of people have suppressed stomach acid. So there are a lot of things that can impact stomach acid, probably the most prominent thing being stress. And so a lot of people have this suppressed stomach acid 
they're eating too fast. They're not, you know, chewing slowly. They're not in a parasympathetic state when they eat food. They're in a stress state, which honestly, this has been all that I've been doing the past five months is like eating quickly, standing up, stressed out <laughs> while a kid is, you know, baby's crying or whatever. I mean, it's it's just like, you know, um, so I'm guilty of this, too. But, you know, that's how a lot of us live and exist and eat and um. And so in that scenario, stomach acid is suppressed. Therefore, you don't digest food as well. Um, and larger food part- particles can get into the small intestine and then that can cause digestive issues. That could mean you're not absorbing nutrients as well. That could mean um, stomach issues in general because your your food isn't being properly broken down in the stomach. It could cause... Yeah, it could be a cause of things. Um, I would not say that it is the root underlying cause of all of these physiological responses in the body. I would actually, you know, the anxiety, the disordered eating, um, the hypothyroidism. I think that's all uh, adrenal fatigue. I think that's all um, way more complex than just stomach acid. Um, And I, I think it's multifaceted. I think it has a lot to do with our mindset. It has a lot to do with how we live, how we think, um, and how we think about our bodies, how we diet culture, all of that stuff swarming around um, the inability to manage stress, the HCL. Oh, and when we're talking about increasing fat. So one of those things um, that's really important is when you're eating a very low fat diet and then you start to eat fat again, yeah, your body's going to have a really hard time absor- or like digesting and absorbing fat. And it actually doesn't really have to do much with stomach acid. It has more, more to do with the gallbladder. So if you're eating a really low fat diet and all of a sudden you increase your fat intake, yeah, it's, it, your body hasn't been digesting fat for a really long time. So your gallbladder secretes bile and bile, um, bile acids are what break down fat and break it down into smaller and smaller particles so that it can be digested and absorbed. And, um, and if you don't, like if you're not eating fat, that bile can get really thick and just it's not going to work. Your gallbladder is not going to work as efficiently. So one of the things that you can do is take um, like a supplement for that. So beets actually help this a lot there's a supplement called beta tcp from biotics i will um link to that in the show notes but it is one of those things that i really recommend people who have fat digestion issues or they've been going you know following a low-fat diet and then increasing their fat um that's a really helpful supplement to take the hcl so that's hydrochloric acid so if you are struggling with chronic low stomach acid one of the things that you can do besides taking you know a little shot of apple cider vinegar and a and a shot of water before you eat you can take something called hydrochloric acid supplements um and what you do is basically you start a meal five minutes after you start eating you take the like one hydrochloric acid pill And um, you kind of you do that every five minutes until you feel a slight warming sensation. And that's the dose that so you and then you back down one. And that's the dose that you take with your meals to help your body stimulate again to stimulate its own stomach acid. That's what you're working towards. But that um, that's kind of where you want to if you're struggling with low stomach acid and you you expect that to be a, a problem for you. 
you can supplement with HCL. I think that that's absolutely a safe thing to do. Um, I would definitely do that with a practitioner. There is a product, again, another product from Biotics called Hydrozyme. And I like that a lot because it has a very, very low dose of hydrochloric acid. So you can start with one and you may find that you get up to six or seven until you feel that warming sensation. But it really allows you to kind of titrate it down um, over the course of, you know, a month or two. Again, it's best if you're working with a nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, But that'll help provide um, acid so that your stomach properly breaks down food while your body is working to support its own stomach acid production. And you're doing that with you know, eating nutrient-dense foods and providing your body with the nutrients it needs to, to make stomach acid. So I'll link to Hydrozyme and Beta-TCP in the show notes. That's all I got. Okay, bye. <laughs> Any other things from you? I'm guessing that's a no. No. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening to the show. For more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. For more from Stephanie, go to paleoforwomen.com. Follow us on the Insta at wellfedwomen. And send us questions, wellfedwomen at gmail.com. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>